been a week since the Vikings let go of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, and I'm sure you all have a whole bunch of questions, so I'm going to answer them today on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the Kitty Copy Dolphin Math Class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show is Twitter Tuesday. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. If you have any Twitter Tuesday questions, you can always send them to me at Luke Braun NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can send an email to Lockdown Vikings Podcast at gmail.com. There's a Google show form in the show notes. Leave a YouTube comment if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, but let's get into it. I asked for your questions and here they are. Um, I'm going to start with one from Uber Adels who says, I know this is probably something you're against, but what's the cap flexibility for Cousins contract? Is an extension at least feasible in some regard? Um, so I'll probably talk a lot more about Kirk Cousins and his future and his contract and stuff. We're going to speculate about this for like two months before something actually happens is going to be my guess, the way the NFL calendar is set up. Um, so I don't need to go into all the details yet, but the short answer is yes, there's a lot of cap flexibility there. Um, and also, I don't need to agree with you about Cousins to like talk about what is possible in terms of if you want to keep Cousins. Yeah, there's totally a way to do that. I disagree, but who cares? You shouldn't care what I think about that. Um, but here's the way it works. So Kirk Cousins has a $10 million signing bonus that he's currently attached to and a $35 million fully guaranteed base salary. He is seeing all 45 of that one way or another. Who pays it is totally negotiable. That $10 million is stapled to the Vikings. There's $10 million you can't get rid of at all. But if you traded Kirk Cousins to another team, the $35 base a $35 million base salary would travel to that team with him. So you trade him to the Broncos. The Broncos are now paying $35 million for Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings have a $10 million dead cap hit. Um, the Vikings could offer to basically take on more of the contract if they wanted a bigger draft pick in return or something, but we'll go into all those details at a later time. Um, but yeah, it's a very flexible thing to trade, to get rid of if you want to do something else like that. Um, and it all really depends on what the next GM wants to do. Joe says, how do the Wilfs feel about Cousins' future in Minnesota? I think they very much don't want to have an opinion. Uh, that, that's really the way it is. They were asked about this. Mark Wilfs was asked about this in the press conference after he let go of uh, Zimmer and Spielman. That he, and then he did that press conference. Um, and somebody asked him, you know, does the, G, the new GM, uh, does their opinion of Kirk Cousins, is that going to influence your search? And in so many words, he said, no, we want to make a good decision maker. And the Wilfs have always been this way ever since they bought the team. They don't know football and they don't they, they don't claim to know football and they don't want to have to know football. They know hiring in business, so they're going to go hire someone with a skill set and let that person make the decision. Vikings Disappointment Enthusiast says, should the Vikings jump on the backup QB turned offensive coordinator Savant train early and just hire Sean Mannion as a head coach before he becomes the next wonderkind? Um, that is, I think, a path Sean Mannion could go down, but it wouldn't happen in a year. Um, but yes, they should put Sean Mannion in their coaching staff somewhere, make him a, an assistant QB coach or something, let him work up the ranks. That's what Kellen Moore did. And he did it in a couple of years. Like he worked up really hard, really, really, really fast, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing. Like, Oh, you got a lot of promotions, but it's also a lack of experience. 
Um, but yeah, Sean Mannion should be in the Vikings coaching staff and, and he should just work his way up so that he can be the next Wonderkin in like four or five years. It's a slow burn. Long con. Jahamis asks, how do you confidently say it's a rebuild year when the Wolves said they aren't looking to hire for a rebuild? That's a very good question. Um, so I have said, and I will continue to say, it's a rebuild. I ain't afraid to use the word. The Wolves are afraid to use the word. I ain't. But that I don't think we have a different idea like Mark, I think I have a very similar idea to Mark Wilf's idea of what the season will be. I just kind of call it a rebuild and he ain't going to do that. Um, that is, that's fine. I mean, he's trying to sell tickets too, right? Like he's trying to like market the team to be a watchable product. I think that 2022, the Vikings will have a really, really difficult time being competitive unless they hire a GM that thinks a Kirk is like a top five quarterback and we, and he can win a Super Bowl, And all we need to do is build this, this and that around him. And if, if that list is long enough or is short enough where you can do it all in an off season and you nail everything, then maybe, but it feels like that requires a hell of a needle threading versus the idea of kind of backing off this particular build of the Vikings, getting new young talent in, developing people, etc. Um, it is going to be a, call it maybe a bridge year, if you want to call it a bridge year. But I think the future of the Vikings is not what we have right now. It is not a Kirk Cousins build with, you know, all of the old Mike Zimmer pieces that are now going to be in, in a much weirder spot with a new coach. And Mark Wilf kind of talks about that, hey, we have this great foundation and we want to build on it. And that's all great. And I don't think the team should be like, ah, this one, we're going to suck. Like they should go try to win a Super Bowl. Go make the best team you possibly can, because that'll bring you that much closer next offseason. I, I think I'm just being realistic. It's it's not going to be a good year. And it, I don't think it should be pressured to be a good year. It should be a year where you focus on the future. Rorschach Cousins says the Vikings aren't going to compete for a Super Bowl next year, no matter what they do. See, there you go. So I ask you. <laughs> What moves should they make this offseason to create the most entertaining team for next year? Not a train wreck that screws up a rebuild, but it may as well put a cool product out there kind of thing. Okay, so if our goal is just to make the Vikings good TV, basically, and we don't care about them being good, we're not making them bad on purpose, but we want them only to be good TV. First off, Jameis Winston, quarterback, easy. Lane Kiffin, coach, easy. And then as GM, we probably just want a sacrificial lamb because everything is going to get cleared out again, right? This is going to be such a, a historic catastrophe that everything is going to get blown up again. And we're right back here in square one, right? Like that's the funniest possible outcome. So we do Lane Kiffin and he is going to leave for USC for the USC head coaching job um, in, you know, the middle of the season. He's going to Bobby Petrino us. We get Jameis Winston. He'll go 30 and 30 again. That'll be hilarious. And I guess we need a GM that'll like make that kind of thing happen. I guess we'll go with like Glenn Cook. I like that. Adam Waros asks, why not Andre Patterson? Good question. I'm into Andre Patterson, sure. Um, and I'm sure he'll he'll get his interviews when they get deeper into the head coaching process. I, I think that's a fine idea. I got a bunch more questions that I want to get to, but first let me talk to you real quick about Grambling. It is playoff season, and that means it's time to watch a whole bunch of games, and you're probably going to be a neutral fan in most of them. What better way to make that relevant to you than by placing a little wager. And if you're sick of just betting like the spread or the over under or whatever, maybe you want to do a player prop. Maybe you want to do a live bet. See if you can't feel the game out, make a bet in the second quarter. I had a ton of success week this weekend doing that. Had a couple of successful prop bets. Uh, James Connor, anytime touchdown was an absolute, like you could set your watch by it all season long. A lot of people made a lot of money betting on James Connor getting a touchdown a game. 
So if you want to make bets like that, head on over to betonline.ag. You can, of course, bet on like basketball, hockey, golf, tennis, MMA, whatever. You can also play your favorite Vegas casino games on BetOnline. Whatever you want to gramble on, head on over to betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up. Your first deposit, you will get a 50% match, 50% welcome bonus just for using the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, at betonline.ag where the game starts. Thank you all once again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Let me go to one from Jeff Douglas here in this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. He asks, works needs to be done on the roster at all three levels on D. Cornerback and defensive end are both huge areas of need. Can you make the argument no priorities are bigger on this team? Aside from possibly Dantzler, nobody on the roster has shown promise to step into bigger roles next year. So I'm struggling to understand exactly the answer to the question you're asking here. So uh, sorry if I'm misinterpreting the question um, or if I'm, I'm reading the wording wrong here, but I think what you're asking is like, hey, these are definitely the highest needs, right? They're where's the biggest needs, right? Cornerback and defensive end? Probably. I mean, there's a reasonable enough chance quarterback immediately becomes the biggest need in the world. So, of course, there's that. I think there's need on the offensive line, like as always. Um, and I think you you have a need at linebacker, like you said, all three levels of the defense because Anthony Barr's a contract is up. Um, and you probably have a need at safety as well, unless you need you think Cameron Bynum's going to come in and be a starter opposite Harrison Smith. A lot of people are talking about getting rid of Harrison Smith. I think that's asinine. Uh, but if you did that, you'd have two needs at safety. So I, there's a lot of needs. I mean, uh, the the Vikings have enough roster needs where they can go really to whatever in the draft, and there will be a place for that player and in free agency and all that stuff. Just compile the most good players that you possibly can, because there is going to be a lot of turnover on this roster, which goes back to the question from the beginning of the thing is like, how do you say that this is a, re- this is a rebuild? Um, it be, like, look at the roster. It needs to be rebuilt. It, and that is going to take time. That Rome built in the day. That is going to take time. You're going to need a year. We're going to call it a rebuilding year in hindsight. Sabine Oates says, what is the most disappointing? Not making the playoffs, getting blown out in the first round or winning only four games in a season. I'm going to be kind of old school about this. Winning four games is the worst. I would rather win nine games than four games. I would rather win 11 games than four games. And I'd rather win 11 than nine. I would rather do the Arizona Cardinals season where you felt like you were a contender for a while, even though it didn't go well. I would rather do that than the Vikings, which went eight and nine. And it was really frustrating. And I'd rather have both of those seasons than be like a Jaguars season where you're questioning if you should even watch the sport anymore. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think winning more games is better. And also, honestly, like, look at the off seasons these teams are approaching, right? The Cardinals have some questions to answer, right? And they got to figure out if Cliff Kingsbury's right and all that stuff. But they are a much closer team to true contention than the Vikings are right now. And they're, the Jaguars are on another planet. You don't want to be the Jaguars going into this offseason. I don't care that they get the number one overall pick. They stink. And there's gonna it's going to take a lot more than one overall pick to make them stop stinking. So I would not want to be in that situation. Win more games, period. That's it. Uh, Greg asks, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? A woodchuck could chuck a chunk of wood if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Sports tweeter Matthias says, who could throw the furthest Hail Mary in the NFL right now? Um, Josh Allen, right? It has to be. Unless I'm forgetting somebody else with like a stupid cannon arm. But I guess... Like, whoever has the the longest can is probably Josh Allen. Maybe it's Patrick Mahomes. 
Um, but if it's a Hail Mary too, it needs to be at least accurate enough to go in the end zone. It can't be at the one, it can't be out the back. So I, I, I do think you have to have a little bit of accuracy, but I think it's probably Josh Allen. We saw him throw a 65 yard rope earlier in this season. That was like accurate. So it's probably him. I mean, he's like an alien, uh, drinker of purple Kool-Aid says, is there any chance the bucks, the Vikings could have beaten the bucks had they been the seventh seed? Um, sure. Always right. Any given Sunday. Would they have been better than the Eagles? I don't know. Um, the Bucks kind of beat the Eagles the same way a lot of teams beat the Vikings by beating them up in the trenches and just kind of wearing at them. Um, I don't know. The, the Vikings put up a lot of fights against good teams. They also uh, sort of got undressed by some good teams. So I, I don't know. I don't think the Vikings deserve to be in the playoffs, if that's what you were asking, like over the Eagles or anything. Like, I, I don't think they earned that spot. They probably should be the ninth seed or whatever they ended up being in the NFC. Um, but is there any chance? Sure. Upsets happen all the time. They wouldn't be favored. They wouldn't probably be more than touchdown underdogs going into Tampa Bay and having to try to play Tom Brady. Um, but yay, the game starts zero zero, just like all the rest of them. Patrick Nissler says the Vikings with Zim always said they had a great locker room and Adam Thielen said it after Zim was fired. How can they have a great locker room and a toxic environment at the same time? This is a really interesting question, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know the answer. Um, that is uh, sure is a, a, a stumper, though, isn't it? Um, but basically, like, here's the deal. We had a lot of evidence over the years that players liked being here. You know, Anthony Barr turned down more money to be in Minnesota. A lot of defensive linemen did that because they liked being with Andre Patterson. Players would take extensions that were kind of team friendly, like a lot. The Vikings would negotiate, you know, Eric Kendricks's first contract when he got when he extended here was terrible for him. Same with Daniel Hunters, so much so that he had like there was like a whole thing about his contract getting uh, getting reworked last offseason. Um, there's a lot of evidence that Minnesota was a place where players liked to play. I think at the end. I think Mike Zimmer got kind of figured out that he wasn't going to, he was going to get fired. And I think he just handled it really, really bad. Um, I think he just melted down and you got to be able to handle that, right? Like he preached from the day he got here. He's like, Hey, if we don't win enough games, I get fired. I'm at peace with that. And he was very clearly not at peace with that, with the PowerPoint, the infamous thing that has gone around now is in a star tribune article by Ben Gessling, where apparently after a loss in November, he put up a PowerPoint of all the unlucky things that have happened to him, like Teddy's injury and Adrian Peterson going out his first year and all that stuff um, as like a woe is me. Look, it's not my fault kind of thing. And the players were all dumbfounded I, that I can't wrap my head around that. There's got to be some detail about that. That makes that make more sense because I don't even know what Zimmer's going for there. Um, but that, I mean, either way, like even with context, that's buck wild. Like all this stuff kind of totally went down. And the other thing is. Not everybody's going to mesh with everybody. There is no coaching style that works for every single person. Some NFL players don't want to be yelled at. They want to be treated like adults and they want to be, you know, treated like colleagues and more professional. And so it, it but if you treat every player like that, then the players who want a little bit more toughness are going to be left wanting. Not everything works with everybody. So if you just ask the disgruntled people who leave, you're going to get this idea of a toxic thing. If you just ask like Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr, they would probably say like, no, it was all over. And Terrence Newman, they'd be like, oh, it's all overblown. Um, yeah, it's, it's a complicated thing. And we as lay people will probably never get like the full story, but yeah, that's, that's the vibe. Uh, KSG skull says, would you rather live in a world where there is no soup or live in a world where the Vikings are the lions? <laughs> so I don't fully understand. Like, okay. So the, would I rather live in the world where the Vikings are the lions 
or live in a world where I am unable to cope with the fact that the Vikings are bad. So would I rather have the Vikings be bad or the Vikings be bad and I can't cope with them? Um, yeah, I guess I would take the Vikings being bad. <laughs> I have a whole bunch more uh, to get to. But first, I want to remind you all that it's tax season is open. If you've got your, your W-2s, if you have that, or if you have your information, get ahead on that kind of thing. And whatever your unique circumstances are, TurboTax Live can help you do it. TurboTax has a whole bunch of experts that are super dorky and they love working through your unique puzzle. If you just got a, a new house or if you moved or if you're not sure, if maybe you've been working in a couple of st different states this year, it has been a wild couple of years. Maybe you changed jobs, maybe you're freelance now. Your unique circumstances are yours and yours alone. And you need somebody that's going to pay attention to that and give it the care that it deserves. That's what TurboTax Live experts do. So go on over to TurboTax.com and get the help of somebody who actually cares about getting you the, the biggest, bestest refund you can possibly get. That's TurboTax.com. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it. TurboTax Live. Got a couple more questions I want to rip right through. So the, the next one comes from Reverend Brody, who says, how can we as Vikings Twitter get Minshew mania to the Vikings? Um, you just got to post, man. You just we have to we have to make our voices heard online. We have to scream into the void loud enough until um, somebody at, on the Vikings decides to log on and see it. Um, yeah, a lot of people want Minshew in, in Minnesota. I, I would see him as one of like a million bridge quarterbacks. Like if you traded for Jimmy Garoppolo or Teddy Bridgewater and it, like a million people that just would kind of paper the thing over, but you wouldn't expect them to be your long-term guy. Um, that would be Gardner Minshew. He would be fun though. He's got a fun personality, but I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he, I think if he were a better quarterback, he probably would be more of a bona fide starter. Um, I don't know what his contract situation is or anything like that. Well, is he a pending free agent? I don't know. We've got all the time in the world to talk about like those quarterbacks and stuff. But if you want Minshew Mania, you got to post and you have to post incessantly. Liam Thrillkill says, what do you think of Mike McDaniel? There's a whole bunch of questions here about like possible head coaches is the first one. Uh, he seems to be working in the same time of off type of offense as the Vikings have, but having more success. The trenches are better, but it seems like the Vikings are better at, at all skill positions. Um, I, I don't know. Debo Samuel's pretty good, man. But uh, yeah, I, so I, I like Mike McDaniel. I joke about him a lot on Twitter because he looks like such a like dude, bro. Like he looks like the most millennial dude in the whole world. He looks like everybody I've ever worked with on a film set. Um, but he seems like he has a really good head on his shoulders. Everybody in the league seems to have this really high opinion of him. And he seems to be the kind of this young up and cover up and comer. He's the offensive coordinator for the for the 49ers. Um, so you would think, well, wait, isn't that kind of Kyle Shanahan's offense? And yeah, I guess. Um, and he would probably be running a very similar offense. Um, and you would kind of have to hope that he can replicate it, but it does seem like he has, he's a good teacher. Like he, he really has a, a handle for how to get ideas into the players. It kind of seems he might be Kyle Shanahan's George Edwards. I think George Edwards had a really similar skill set, and we really missed that as an assistant as a head coach. Yeah. I think that's a really good skill. Of course, there's some other things you would want to see him prove, but he can't do that from an OC position. So if you wanted to jump off, you know, make that leap of faith, I'd say go for it. Uh, to Pierce. So says with Kellen's NFL coaching career being so young, who do you see on his coaching staff? Once he get, gets a head coach gig, I was musing about Caldwell as his, his assistant head coach, slash OC, assuming he isn't a head coach somewhere else. Caldwell would be interesting. I think the idea of like a, a head coach slash OC or an assistant head coach slash off, slash offensive coordinator with a little bit more experience or, you know, an assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator with some more experience. Honestly, somebody like Mike Zimmer. 
who can just be the DC, right? Never have to worry about the offense, be the assistant head coach, be the guy that says, hey, here's what I messed up. Here's what I messed up. Here's what you shouldn't do. Kind of be a sounding board, but not like a figure of authority because that authority in his relationship to his subordinates got super toxic. Like you're not putting him in the position to replicate that, just a position to kind of be a guy who screwed up, who can kind of say, hey, learn from my mistake. Maybe something like that. Um, He might end up being the head coach in Dallas. I don't know what's going to happen to Mike McCarthy after that playoff game. Uh, Stizo says, is there a panic trade in Spielman's early career or by his boss slash mentor that worked out, uh, trying to find the reasoning why he kept doing them with little positive outcome? Um, I don't know about anything he did Miami when he was the GM there. I don't know who his old like mentors were or anything like that, but in Minnesota, well, see the thing about a panic trade is it sort of by definition didn't work out because if it were a good trade, we wouldn't call it a panic trade. We'd call it like a swift, uh, savvy move or something like that. Um, but I don't know, like a, a spur of the moment trade that worked out. I, I would have to see all the trades in front of me to like itemize everything out. But I don't know. It, like when I think panic trade, I think like Sam Bradford. And I don't know. Process wise, I get why they did the Sam Bradford thing. Of course, that season didn't work out. So it's really easiest for us in hindsight to say, well, they just shouldn't have tried and they should have just taken their draft pick and drafted a quarterback in 2017, which was this ridiculous year for quarterbacks dra- in, in the draft um after after teddy bridgewater's injury and it's like that's super easy to say but come on you can't sit there in august and be like they should actually tank this season i don't believe you nfl teams are going to be competitive like that's the bottom line they are just going to be competitive so i get that and if you are given that he is going to trade for somebody i guess sam bradford was like the best option available or whatever um the trade up for christian ponder was obviously that was a terrible move the unique Ngakwe trade was like clearly a panic move. You know, Everson Griffin didn't come the way they thought so that they then they like hit the panic button and they and they traded for another guy kind of like on a whim and that that didn't work out like, yeah, by definition, a panic move can't work out. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a panic move. Uh, Forrester says, is Kellen Moore just spicy Clint Kubiak? Really cool play designs, but game plans that regularly fall apart. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the Cowboys have, have too much stinker in them for me to be like excited about Kellen Moore as an X's and O's guy this year. He has really interesting ideas, but what's their bread and butter? And I don't genuinely know the answer to that question. I, I have not watched enough Cowboys and I don't remember enough from when I studied them to preview the Vikings game against them to know like what's their bread and butter. Um, but that's usually like when I'm looking at an offensive play caller, that's one of my first questions is what is your what should the bread and butter be? What should the first down every play? We run this 10 times a game kind of play that gets us a reliable seven yards that we're really good at. What's that play? Is it a run play? Is it a pass play? Is it a you know, what's what is it a concept? Is it a kind of thing? what's your bread and butter? And I think with too many young offensive coordinators, they don't think about that. They, they, and this was Clint Kubiak. This was a, a thing I had a, a, about Clint Kubiak. What was his bread and butter? A zone run? Well, he kind of did him out of shotgun. He kind of abandoned it. He didn't really get the, he didn't have like a holistic strategy to approach the run game and the run game didn't do well because of it. Um, it, Like, especially as compared to things that Gary Kubiak did, that Stefanski did the last couple of years. Um, and maybe Kellen Moore does suffer from those same problems. With me as a head coach, though, for Kellen Moore, my worry is more about that he's a tactician and head coach is not a tactical job. Head coach, I mean, there's, of course, there are scheme, scheme responsibilities, there are tactical responsibilities, but it's a management job. And is Kellen Moore a manager or is he, is he a tactician? I don't want to hire somebody that was good at their job t- 
to promote them to going and doing a different thing that requires a totally different skill set. That's my deal with Kellen Moore. Uh, Third Eye Nomai says, is it time to relitigate JDF's time as a play caller? The Strib article points out that Zim privately criticized his run-pass ratio after two great offensive performances. That's kind of that kind of confusing environment couldn't have helped. Um, Sure, we can go back and look at what mistakes Mike Zimmer made in the 2018 season, but John Filippo was bad in that season independently of Zimmer. And he wasn't bad because he like ran too much off of Zimmer, like forcing him to or whatever. Like, that's not my issue with John Filippo. His issue was offensive architecture. It was not tailored. It was just the, the offense that he got out of Philly. Um, and it wasn't tailored to Cousins. It wasn't tailored to the offensive line he inherited. He just brought in a scheme and he square peg round hold it and it was terrible. Also, he's the passing game coordinator in Chicago right now. That's going terribly. I think John Filippo just sucks. And maybe Mike Zimmer made that worse. Maybe he didn't, but I think he's bad. Yeah, <laughs> if we want to relitigate it, sure. Uh, but I don't think we're going to come out with a better opinion. Uh, Cho asks, what questions would you ask in a GM interview? Uh, that's a really good question. So I would want to know about, I think I love the Wilfs collaboration thing. That's really in my head, but that I, I agree with that. I think that's really what I would do. I, I would want to know, um, about like, I would, I would probably ask him, Hey, what would you do with Kirk cousins? And I wouldn't be looking for, I mean, I have my opinion on Kirk cousins, but I wouldn't be looking for them to agree with my opinion on Kirk cousins. I would be looking for them to, uh, like have a defined plan and to have, you know, convictions in it. I would give them a scenario like, hey, your star player just got indicted. What do you do? Do you trade for a new player? Do you change scheme? I would probably ask stuff about that. I would probably do different leadership things. I I could probably actually have a really interesting conversation about this in a longer form about like hiring and interviewing and stuff like that. And how do you sit in a room with 15 minutes and find out if a person is good at a job or if they're lying to you? Like that's a really difficult thing to do. Or for three hours, like these uh, GM interviews have gone. By the way, the Vikings did GM interviews, uh, three GM, GM interviews on Monday. They did Kwesi Adova Mensa. They did John Spitek and Catherine Raish all did their interviews. They're going to do the rest of the interviews throughout the rest of the week. So hopefully by sometime next week, we have an answer on who our GM is. And we'll talk about that then. In the meantime, we will keep talking. I'll keep y'all updated on all of the GM and head coaching news that comes out of TCO Performance Center. And we'll keep that going. I will see you all tomorrow. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast with handicapping expert Lee Sterling and your boy Q. And as always, skull.